Put him on his back. Thurston, right foot kick, down the ground, into the end goal almost. Hodgson cuts it off. Hodgson taken by Norton. He took him late. Marshall skips away. Marshall skips away. Marshall's still going. Marshall's got Richards coming up outside. Now inside. Richards pursued. He pushes Johnson away. Good evening, everybody. It is Tuesday, the 3rd of May, 2022, and you're back for another episode of the Tiger Town Podcast with your hosts, Zach and Toby. Toby's on the other end of the line, and at this point, I'm going to say good evening. Toby, good evening. Good evening, mate. How are we? Uh, I can't speak for you. I'm doing fine and dandy. I just finished my uh, muesli for dessert, so I'm ready to rock into another beloved episode of our pod. Yeah, it is another beloved episode, but... um. Yeah, no, not as happy as we were last week, but not as disappointed as I've been in the past. So, yeah, somewhere in the middle, found a found a happy middle ground. Yeah, well, it it'd be nice to be finding a happy middle ground off a win, but um, wasn't to be on the weekend. No, no, and it's you know as much as people are trying to you know blame decisions, blame rulings, we had a lot of ball down their end and we couldn't capitalize again so you know as you will know you know it's not rare for me to be complaining about umpires and refs decisions Uh, i don't know why i just said umpires referees decisions and and the impact that they can have on games uh, and that they do have on games and particularly tigers games but uh, that comes from an intrinsic um comes from within uh, when I get upset about the refs from what I'm seeing during games. But on the weekend, the Kelma try was the only one that really stood out. And to me, uh, you know, other people had to raise that issue with me and I sort of shrugged it off a little bit. And I think it comes from what you said because, um, you know, as much as that was a contentious one, personally, I think they got it right. But regardless of that, we made that many chances and that many opportunities. We should have been good enough to win that game 38 to 12. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100% agree. Um, Kelman try very much. I'm on your side with that. I don't think he had any control of it when he grounded it. Um, people keep finding, you know, frames of when he's got what looks like downward pressure, but in all honesty, it's not. It's not downward pressure at all. Um, he loses it. And yeah, exactly like you said. I mean, we had copious amounts of chances, copious amounts. And um so many times we were denied. Um, some were by uh, sheer desperation by the Dragons just to hold us up. Well, they had some pretty good scramble. I yeah. can't discount oh. that. They scrambled pretty bloody well, to be honest. No, I, I think I think in the, in the second half particularly, they defended quite well. But I think that also comes down to the fact that we completely went away from our game plan. Yeah. I mean you and I watched the game together on Sunday and you kept harping on it and saying it. we annihilated their middle in the first 20. And then for some reason we decided to keep going side to side after that. And things just fell apart. I mean, we, we weren't going around them. They have, um, they definitely have had better centers than we do at that point in time. And they defended us well. We didn't even look like a half break at times and, but every time, like, how many breaks did Tamo make coming through the middle? I think he had three line breaks himself, just running off the back of it. And he, uh, yeah, 
I don't know how many exactly. I just watched one a second ago in about six minutes. He had a clean one uh, yeah. with Little coming up the inside. I don't know, Musgrove had a clean one. Um, yep. Little himself had a clean break. And there was another couple, I think, as well. Just all in the first 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. And this... So it was... It was sorry, you go. I was just going to say, for me, that it comes down to... I was... And I think it's clear with a lot of people, excluding Madge, because he's dropped him. We, again, just didn't have that uh, that hooker that gets us over the advantage line consistently. He did it. I think he was pretty good at it for the first 10 minutes. But it's as if, and like you've said it time and time again, that he seems to consistently be late to hooker, to dummy half. And you watch him and he jogs and he, it looks like he's waiting for someone else to take decision. It's as if he forgets where he is at times and he's too relaxed. It's like, he's, yeah, no, nah, it's fine. Someone else will get it. And that's why uh, I believe we we haven't offered him another contract for next year. So because he just oh, he's, he's, still on, he's still under contract next year, but um, there's a bit of mail around that he has been told um, to that he's free to explore his options, I think, with the words that I read. Yeah. And I'm sure somebody will snap him up because there's not... Like there's ah uh, yeah, look he's a good player. I I've been a big fan of Little for a number of years, and but it's he's become really frustrating for those reasons that you just said because when he looks sharp and when he looks like he's got his brain um his brain plugged in properly, he's where he needs to be. Um and he not only is he using the running game, which is what he's good at, is he does what he can to try to get those rucks moving quicker and get those forwards over the line, that phrase that we used way too many times in last week's podcast. Um, and I think you're right in that it was the first maybe 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes in the first half of that game. We tore them to absolute shreds. It was insane. I haven't seen us dominate a team through the middle so early in a game that I can remember. We were all over them. We should have scored five tries in that first 20 minutes. That, that was the amount of chances that we created. And I think that uh, um, off the back of it, but just talking about little briefly, um, I think for some reason he's talked up as one of the fittest blokes in the club, but in terms of match fitness, he just doesn't seem to, um, he doesn't seem to be maintaining it all that well. No, I agree. I agree. And it's, it's very much, I, I'm, yeah, I don't know. Like when he first came onto the scene and everyone said he was very, very quick in terms of his, you know, off the line. Um, I was excited for it because I saw, I guess, a, another version of Damien Cook in terms of speed through the rock, speed through everything. But I just haven't seen him utilize any of that over the better course of two, three years. I've seen him have some great performances, but they just have not been consistent. And with Appy coming, there's just no room for him anymore. And, you know, we'll, we'll deal with him. Like we've got Simkin right now, who actually has been named, which we're both very happy about because he had an absolute blinder against the Eels. Um, his best game in the NRL by far. Um, but I guess for the time being, he's our backup if we need him. But yeah, I'm, 
Yeah. Apologies, like- folks. I, I think I um I had a little bit of a um connection issue a connection issue a minute ago. Um, and I know the, the voice was cracking a little bit. Hopefully, it's a little bit better now. I seem to have fixed it. So, um, we'll see how we go moving forward. Yeah, yeah. I look to be honest. I was watching Lids the other day. I didn't think he played too bad. I think um, I actually think he played much better than he did last week. Despite the fact last week he made that um, try saving tackle, which made it look like. He had a better game than he did. I think he actually played better against the Dragons. Um, but going back to the game plan, I don't think that he is responsible for going away from the game plan because he's not a game manager. He's filling a role as dummy half. But I think that the fact that he does tend to get fatigued, at least positionally fatigued, it's probably the best way to put it. Because I think, like I said before, I think he's relatively fit from what you hear in the club. But he gets fatigued in terms of his ability to uh, be in position at the right time and provide the service that he needs to provide. And whether that was a contributing factor to the game plan um, seeming to be brought away from at about the 15 or 20 minute mark, I don't know. It wouldn't make sense. But when, when we're talking game plan, and we've, we've spoken about it a couple of times in the last couple of minutes, this is what we're talking about. So it seemed, it seemed to me, it seemed to us on the weekend watching it, uh, that the plan was to go directly up the middle I, I think Blind Freddy could have seen that, but not just uh, a generic up the middle with uh, straight hard props running running forward one after the other, one out. I think there was a big emphasis on quick ruck speed, and I think going back in towards the ruck to drag their middles through and get them backpedaling was the focus. And I think the half breaks up the middle, um, particularly in the first 10, 15 minutes that seemed to come thick and fast were testament to that fact. And there seemed to be a really concerted effort to fight for quick play of the balls. And um, we were just, I guess, talking about how little, um, you know, a couple of his shortcomings, but he did quite a good job in the early phases of the game to try to drive that middle third. It wasn't even the middle third. I'd say it's almost the middle 20% of the field was where we were making all, all the inroads. Um, and, <coughs> excuse me, not to put too fine a point on it, but, once we went away from that, we looked very lateral. And as soon as we looked lateral, we started to look lost again. And the chances started to dry up. And as that started to happen, the time started to tick away. And before we knew it, it was the 71st minute. And we were trying to score 10 points to get back in the game off two really, really soft tries on their behalf. So um, for me, I think that to, to what Toby, you said earlier, um, it was that was the major reason why we didn't go on with the game the way that we looked so red hot at the start. And um, I think they'll hopefully learn a fair bit out of that. And we just didn't take their chances. Like it was a case where we were all over that team for the vast majority. We're the better team on the day, um, all those sort of bits and pieces. And we created ample more opportunities. Even their two tries that they scored were they weren't lucky, but they were very soft essentially, um, I don't know if were, did Ben Hunt go out of dummy half or he was first receiver? No, his first but receiver through the dummy, ducked. First, that's right, yeah. So very, very soft at the line, the, the close five at the back end of the game. Um, so that that's really poor and they're just a couple of poor decisions. And I think it was off the Gildart racing and miss. Yeah. Ben Hunt scored. Yeah. Yep. So um, I think we'll get to talking about all of the Gildart shortly. But yeah, yeah, that's the way that I saw the game going. Um if you read the stats on paper, you would honestly think that we should have, like you said, beaten them by 20, 30 points. 
Yeah. We had more possession, 55% to 45. Our completion was better, 77% to 73%. We had more run meters, more runs. By, by nearly 500, nearly 500 run meters. That, yeah. It's a lot. More, almost 200 more post-contact meters, more line breaks, more tackle breaks. 56 more, to 21, the tackle breaks. Yeah. Insane. More kick return meters. Um, the ball speed, I I don't read too much into that. We Play had, the ball speed. I do. They beat us on that, but regardless, that's one stat for them. Oh, no, we beat them on that, four to three. It says average. Uh, play, play the ball speed, average play the ball speed. We had a slower yeah. play the ball. Oh, they say that is that by seconds, is it? Yeah. Okay. Just uh, it's it's an arbitrary measure, but it just yeah, yeah. lets them know how much wrestling, I guess, was happening. Yeah. Um 15 offloads to two. Hmm. Uh you know, they had more kick meters than us. A very um ominous number, to be honest. Six, six, six. Uh, but we had four drop force dropouts to one. Um we had less tackles, less missed tackles, or by half, more than half, less missed tackles. They had 56 to 21. Yeah, that's outrageous. Our, our tackle efficiency was 93% or 92%. They was, theirs was 82. 82 is pretty average. They're, they conceded eight penalties. We conceded one. Yeah. Literally, you read those stats, and we should have knocked them off the park. This is this yeah. is again. I'm that was brought up in the press conference too that we did dominate stats, stats side of things. We couldn't get it done. That's disappointing. It is very disappointing considering how how fluid we were in terms of you know Rabbitohs and Parramatta in terms of how we were like we had structured plays. We made the right option consistently. Brooks made the right option, but we could like we can say like. Absolutely no harp on Brooks this week. I think he he did well. I think that there was quite a number of times, but he did pick the wrong option. And I thought that was giving, I thought having Hastings there was going to give him more time and more confidence to have a look at that play. But a lot of the time, not a lot of the times, but some of the times he looked rushed again. Um, but in saying that, I think again, um, apart from the Rabbitohs and Eels game, it was one of his better games. I still think he has to prove me wrong in terms of that the Tigers is not a club for him. I still think a change would be the best thing for both of us, but give me a couple more weeks. I might turn around, but um, yeah, I just, I think that there was, we were very predictable again in attack. And you could probably say that about quite a few games over the weekend. There was quite a few games I watched where I guess the losing side was just seem very predictable going through the motions, not exactly asking too many questions. Um, perfect example of that is the Knights. You know, they're obviously a bottom of the ladder now and they were very predictable, very bland, not really offering much. Um, I think I think we had to. I, th- I don't think you're wrong. I think it, it showed more when we went back to that plan B. So we fell into a default and I think, We'd, well, I think we'd tried to simplify things then um, off the back of not having Dane out the back too. Yeah. And and that hurt us. You know, there was a couple of second-man plays that were looking likely and Stafford just not as crisp and not as used to being in that position, uh, not as elusive as Dane. Star, Star's a good player, but 
but he's a different type of player. And and Dane had been showing a few of those really silky, classy touches in recent times in the last I, couple I, of weeks. And I can categorically say that Toa is not a fullback. I think I think his best position is center. I think when he's been playing in the centers, like I think he's played two games for us in the centers. That's when he's looked the most um I guess dangerous because yeah, he's not he's not a fullback. He's he's, he's our backup fullback option. He's played a lot of center, like you said. That's where he looks most at home. But that's the thing. You and I both discussed this on the weekend, and I can't fathom why that it hadn't been an option is we know that Noffa can is solid at the back and can create those passes and can, you know, stick those tackles when needs to be. So why wouldn't you put Noffa at fullback and then tie um, hooker at halftime? I mean, at wing at halftime, you could see that it wasn't working because they weren't finishing properly. And this is the thing, like it's, probably a bit detriment these days to Madge in the fact that he sticks with the game plan no matter what. And I'm like, it's not, it's not 2014 anymore. Things, pe- people are faster, players are fitter. You need to think at, at break. Like, yeah, we were up 2-0 at half time, but you could clearly see in that first half in from attacking perspective, we just weren't clicking. And it was that last pass at the end from Tor. It wasn't, you know, we could see that Hastings and Brooks were straightening up. They were, you know, bringing in two or three defenders when we were on their line. But he, you, know, you could see Tor was sweeping too deep, giving the defence enough time to rush or to push off Brooks or Hastings and cover that man. Whereas, you know, the last two weeks, you've seen Laurie basically almost be on the hip or just a little bit outside of the playmaker, causing him to come through to that hole, causing the center to close in, and that creates the two-on-one overlap. So, like, just little things like that, and not being like. So, what what was your comment on Mad? You think that he should have put an offer in there at halftime? Well, I think he did it against um, when um, I think it was against Cronulla when Laurie got COVID. You could see that at one point he'd switched to and Noffer. Noffa was at fullback and Tor was on the wing. And even in those, I think it was like 15 minutes at the end of that game, you could see that things were clicking a little bit better. Things were a little bit crisper. Things just seemed like Noffa just knew where to be when he needed to be. Like he doesn't have the elusiveness that Laurie has or, you know, the passing game that most fullbacks have, but he, he can still finish it off better than Tor could. And that's just my comment is, that Madge's one of Madge's faults is if he has a game plan in mind, he doesn't veer away from it regardless of what's happening. It's as if he's like, it's going to change eventually. I'm like, okay, but if you're seeing what everyone else is seeing, how do you not even just fathom that? Like, and then the fact that it continued in the first half, the first part of the second half, how do you not send people out and say, okay, switch these two. We need to get some more attacking flair out the back. That's my that that's just I guess something that kind of ruffles me in terms of Madge is how solid he sticks sometimes even when it's not working. Like perfect example is what you know, you look at our defense last year. We like you could say it time and time again that he wasn't like we the up and in was just not working. 
but he wasn't moving away from it. He was sticking with it, thinking that things were going to stick, but it just, it didn't work. And then, you know, thank God we got rid of that defensive coach because Kalis has actually instilled something in us. But yeah, that was a bit of a rant, but that's just kind of what I feel. I'll just let you go. Um, yeah. I, can't yeah. remember, I, I can't even remember what the hell we were talking about originally, but no, it's not. <laughs> oh, I think it was, I think it was um, how bland we were in attack. And I put it down okay. that, that finish at the back. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I said, yeah, we created a lot of chances early and we didn't capitalize on any of them, um, which was really disappointing. And I think what they did off that is they, which was, which is a common sense approach. Okay. Let's simplify things. Let's see if we can get back to some basic structures and the structures are even more basic because we're missing our fullback. Um, and so once they veered away from that up the center game plan, they started the game with through the center of the ruck. They went back to a pretty basic game plan. Um, and that's the Kelman no try. Um, and I think then, um, yeah, it did look basic because it was simple and it just didn't yield any results, obviously. But I think that was just amplified by the fact that we didn't take any of those chances early. Kelma takes that catch. That's a try there. And like I said, there was a, we had, if not at least, then very close to half a dozen uh, breaks and line breaks. Sorry, line breaks and half breaks in the first half, um, all of which could have led at least to further breaks down the field or possible um, overlap situations or um, situations where we had an opportunity to attack for long periods of time and yield something a little bit more. So it, I think they were a victim of trying to play it too simple. I think they thought that against the dragons, we didn't need to be overly creative and that playing a simple game plan well would suffice. And um in the end, it just didn't because not because we didn't have the opportunities to, like we said before, but because we didn't take our chances. No. So, um, yeah, I I don't know about the stuff you're talking about, Madge. It's a whole other discussion, I guess. I think I agree with some of it. I don't agree with other parts of it, but that's that's all how you know how you interpret the game and that sort of stuff as well. In terms of changing Knopf to fullback at halftime in that Dragons game, I wouldn't have been a fan of that simply because. Toa actually had an opportunity to train there this week. And so the structures that they practiced with that were there and in place. I think Noff is not a bad option. It's fullback. But if he is to come in as a replacement, short of an emergency, like an injury or something, I'd like to see him um, to train there or spend a week there, or a couple of weeks there, so he can get himself settled back in. I think in defense, he can be fine. And I think he's good under the high ball. And I think positionally he played enough in juniors to have a rough idea, but I think in terms of attack and whatnot, him and him and star would be on par. Not for doesn't know how to pass a football. <laughs> so he'd, he'd be pretty useless in, in second man plays, but um, yeah, let's hope that we don't have to actually go down that path and that Laurie can come back and stay injury free sooner rather than later, because the injuries in the side are really, really hampering us. And that's something that we've mentioned in the pod in the last few weeks, but I think it really cost us on the weekend. Mm. No, not I just, agree. yeah, not just Laurie, um, but the fact that even those that we had back, so we had two Alugi back for that game, but he was away for South. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think 
what other ones? So that was Star's first full game at fullback. Um, we had Jake Little coming back in for his second game back, just his second game. So we had Mamalo out. So we have a Kapoa playing his first game, um, who somebody wouldn't mind talking about in a sec. Mm-hmm. We had Gildart, who was dropped and had to come back in just because of injury. So he was only his second game back. So beyond just simply having the players missing, the combinations have just been an absolute write-off. Constantly. It's like playing a game of Yahtzee. Every week you put the five dice into that cup and you throw it, and whatever we get, we get. And it's it's near on impossible to try and run a football side that way. And the coaches, coaching staff and players will sit there and they'll say cliches like next man up mentality and everyone steps in and does their role and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, fair enough. That's a good message. But the bottom line is you need to be able to have consistency in players in the same positions for weeks and months on end to be able to build effective and efficient combinations. And when you do that, you put yourself in the best position to be able to complete the half chances that you get. And I think that's a major contributing factor as to why, at least on the weekend, we weren't able to take some of those half chances. And we're looking at it again now um, with Luch being out this week. And who else do we lose? Not Faluma, you know, so... Um, you know, we mentioned it's part and parcel of the game, but uh, us and Parramatta this year, especially those two teams, I think, in terms of constant weekly injuries and constant shuffling, it's a really, really hard thing to overcome. No, I agree. But what it did point out is how much depth we are lacking in key positions. You know, next year we're going to have... <laughs> enough depth and hooker to, you know, fill up four teams, um, you know, in the halves where we're pretty covered, but at fullback, we have no one, you know, we've got no one available. I mean, we got a makeshift center, a fullback at the moment. I'm talking about having a makeshift, uh, a, a winger at the moment going there. There's a better option. Literally Laurie goes down and we have no one. Like, who's playing reserve grade at fullback at the moment? I don't even know. So. Um, uh, yeah, you got you got to remember that one of our other options for fullback who played. Um, yeah, Is, yeah, is AD. So, um, he, in, as far as I'm concerned, is is the backup fullback. If, if Laurie's picked and AD's in the side centres or 5'8 or wherever he's playing, once he's back and running, he's our backup fullback. And so then Toe is probably a third choice. And yeah, we are a bit skinny there, but you know, you you point me to most of the clubs in the league that have a great third choice. Sorry, cut out. Uh, great third choice fullback. And I'd be very, very, very surprised. Newcastle's backup fullback, Tex Hoy, is that bad that Newcastle, a team coming last, tried to offer him to us, or his manager tried to offer him to us as recently as this week and he's playing in the halves this week, you know, you can run through the examples, you know, Bulldogs don't even have a fullback. So they had to get Matt Dufty who even dragons players couldn't stand to sign him on a one year deal. Mm. So, you know, they're they're hard to come by. I I, I don't think your points um, off, but it's frustrating. I think for us because we've got our first and second choice fullbacks out basically, don't we? Yeah. No. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. Just even look. even centers. So we run if we run through our centers. So we bought Gildart as in somewhat of an experiment, but he comes from a good pedigree, played for Great Britain. 
mm. you would expect a bit more. Um, so he's obviously having his defensive issues. But Talia, who's out, well, Dwayne, who is probably at the moment playing in the centres, the way that we've got our halves organised. James Roberts has just been ruled out with a back injury. Kapoa's yeah. just come from his first game back, who is a, is a centre option. Um, I think traditionally he played centre. We, we'd only really seen him on the wing other than the game he did his knee, but he's a centre option. He's only just come back. William Key will never see first grade. He was signed on a development deal and had to get a guaranteed contract for this year. Yep. He's woeful. Junior Pauger, um, I actually, sorry, I don't know if Junior Pauger is actually in the 30-man squad. I think last year he was promoted to for some cover, but I think he's in New South Wales Cup. Yeah, we saw what he did last year defensively. Yep. And he's not exactly setting the world on fire in New South Wales Cup. But I've listed about seven people there. We've also got Junior... Um, Tupo. Junior Tupo, who's come from Union. Brumby's, Brumby's system. So he's come from the Canberra Junior system via the Brumbies. Um, probably makes sense that he was Canberra and then there, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Um, and But he's very young. He's 19, but he's in the top squad. So there's plenty of centres there. <laughs> but half of them have been or are injured or they're, they're very young or they're inexperienced or they're unknown quantities. So... Yeah, that's fair. Quality depth, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I'm, I'm, I mentioned. Um, sorry, did you just have anything you want to add on no, that? No, no, I was no, just going to seek way away. So I mentioned Tex Hoy briefly in passing. Um, I don't yeah. think there's much doing there, but there's a few other names and uh, a bit of mail floating around this week with a few recruitment meetings and stuff allegedly happening at the club and a few whispers that are starting to do the rounds. I'll rattle them all off and then we'll go through the most popular ones. So uh, Ewan Aitken, uh, Jackson Topine or Topany from the Bulldogs, uh, Matt Dory from the Bulldogs, uh, Jack Bird there was whispers about. Uh, these aren't signings. These are potential or conversations. We've still got the Britain Nakora stuff ticking away in the background. And from what I've heard, he's got roughly a week or he's got to a magic round to make his decision, but that seems to have stalled. Um, who am I forgetting? I'm forgetting anybody. I don't know. You're on the story. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Those are the names. Uh, but the big one that's seems to have accelerated a bit behind the scenes this week is you and Aiken from the, the warriors. Yeah. Well, yeah, you did. Um, you didn't mention this to me yesterday and I said that that actually, like, given our stocks of centers at the moment, if we did get him, he'd go straight into centers for me um, because I think he can do the job better than who we have there at the moment. Um, but if we sign him for X amount um, of years, so let's say he signs on for a three, four-year deal or three-year deal, it's hopefully it's not for you, or a two-year deal, um, he'll most likely play back row next year. Mm. Yeah, and that's that's as far as I'm aware too. That seems, I don't know. I, I was never a fan of you and Aitken personally because of when he, he played centre and I haven't really followed him since he's moved to the Warriors and moved to the second row. So I did look up his stats and his tackle efficiency has gone from 83% to about 95% now that he's in uh, on an edge in the in the second row. And so that's that's good credit to him. I haven't watched a lot of him, his games, to be fair, and I haven't watched him very closely. 
Um, as a centre, he had plenty of skills and he was very strong. But I was always off him the same reason I was always off Jared Croker was because of their defensive reads. They were very, very average. And I remember there was one year in particular. I can't, I can't remember the year. It might have been 2016 or something, but I'm just optioning a guess where I sat down and I watched a lot of football because there was a lot of contention around the New South Wales centre spot. Um, and specifically, I watched a lot of games and highlights over the course of the season of um, whoever was in the pool to be picked for New South Wales. And once I saw that, I couldn't unsee those players when I would watch their games. Um, and Ewan Aitken and Jared Croker stood out to me as quite handy centres, but defensively they were just, you know, atrocious in terms of their ability to read. But, and I was sort of making this point to you last night, um, and you were indicating you're, you're a bit of a fan of the, the signing possibly if it was to go ahead. But I think as a second row option over the last couple of days since I've heard the news, well, the news of it being at least a possibility. Um, I have warmed to it a little bit in that I think as a second row option, he's probably not a bad option. And for the money that is being tossed around, and, you know, these are all, this is always speculation, but there is a bit of talk that it's around the 350 a year for two years um, from next year is what they're currently talking. It's not bad value considering that the Nakora deal would likely be up around the 600 plus mark. Yeah. Sorry. Um, no, I agree. It's just, and I was looking at some signings then and I got kind of sidetracked a little bit because apparently from what I've just read, um, you know, the bird, um, deal is it's getting more and more steam and I was reading through that and if you had to take one of the two you'd go bird over Aiken any day of the week wouldn't you you would but it, it does depend on money as well doesn't it yeah yeah bird offers you a lot more but he does come from a history I'm, I'm same thing with bird I'm pretty lukewarm on him but I think he is I think he's more of a threat and he's more versatile he can play 5'8 he can play fullback. He can play second row. He can play center. If it were me, I'd be buying him as a center. We don't have gun centers. No. If we were to have Jack Bird and Adam Dwayne as our centers, I'm pretty. I'm pretty happy with that. To be perfectly yeah. honest, Man, um, imagine trying to um, defend either side of that. The attacking threats, both of them. Yeah, it's funny that you um, you say that that's been gathering steam because. Um, I was about to use the word um, my mail. It's not my mail, but from, from the things that I've been reading and from what I've been hearing, um, that was a bit of a red herring that was thrown out there by the club deliberately to try to force Nakora's hand. That's not uncommon in rugby league circles. Yeah. Um, and I, again, all this sort of stuff is speculation until we see an announcement from a club or we get any some sort of confirmation one way or the other, but I would like to think at least they are talking about Jack Bird because we've got the money to afford Jack Bird and we need centres and second rowers, two positions that he plays. Um, and he's done it at origin level. Yeah. No, no, that's... Yeah, I, I guess we have the money too. So in all honesty, if we can get Aiken, because of what I read then was um, apparently they had a meeting tonight. Both parties are quite happy. 
and it went quite smoothly. And they're looking okay. at 350 to 400. So if you can get Aiken for 300, 350 to 400 as a second rower, I mean, he runs really good lines. He can tackle well now. I think he's doing quite well at the Warriors in second row. And then we've got the money. Why not go look at, because obviously if, if that happens with Aiken, we're probably going to, you know, skip over Nakora. Uh, we're probably just going to say, look, you had your chance. Um, yeah. no, like, I mean, in all honesty, if he does, if we pull out, that's the eels are pulled out. We've pulled out. I guess the dolphins could make a play for him, but. Nakora. They, yeah. The sharks have got an offer on the table for him as well. That's less than ours and shorter than ours, but. He'll he'll be happily happy to stay at the Sharks. I think it's how how desperate he wants to make a good deal for himself. I think yeah. I think that's what that'll come down to. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Um, um. So we went on a bit of a tangent there on recruitment and stuff like that, but we'll go back to yeah, the game real quick. Uh, go back to the game real quick, and we'll do what we usually do. Um, what if any? Like I could find some, but what were positives for you out of that game? And uh, the way th- that that game plan, I haven't I haven't seen them play fast, quick the up the middle. Plan. The original game, yeah, plan. yeah. The way they came out of the blocks and they they own they own that team. Yeah, I haven't seen them shred teams up the middle like that f- since I can remember. It was it was phenomenal, and I was really disappointed they didn't go on with it. Uh, it, I personally, I think, and I might be wrong here, but I think when Blake Laurie came on, he single handedly upped the tempo, and St George went with him. Um, and that blocked. So that might have been coaching on uh, Hook's behalf, to be honest. He might have seen what was happening, and he might have demanded um, a squ- more squashed-up middle. He might have got a message out to the trainer, and they might have changed their defensive structures. So fair enough. We might not have actually gone away. They might have coached on the run and um, and made that change. Uh, but that's that was what made me quite happy because it was something new, and I hadn't seen us play that way. That shows me tactical good coaching because they've looked at St. George and they've thought, well, how can we best get on top of these blokes? This is how we're going to do it. They went out, they executed that plan. It's a shame they just didn't take the chances. So they executed the plan in my eyes, at least at the start of the game. And, and you know, the three, four, five line breaks and chances that we created a testament to that fact, the fact we dominated all the stats, the run meters and all that sort of stuff, a testament to that game plan was working at least in, in the first half. Um, so that was yeah, really pleasing to see, and particularly because it wasn't just another cookie cutter um, approach to the game. It wasn't just a, oh Kenny Mamalo's on, which he wasn't, but let's bomb to his side all game. You know, it wasn't just something that was one plus one equals two. It was something that was a bit different, and we hadn't seen it, and we did it. We did it well, so I liked it. No, um, so just a little bit more on that. Why? Could you could you see anything within that game? Because you obviously watched the game a couple of times now. Why we didn't continue down that game, down that thing, apart from the Blake Lurie? I mean, if one guy creating a blockage should not stop a game plan if that's what you've been training for the whole month, the whole week. No, no, no. I didn't I didn't mean that he came on and he, he no, no, I know that, but- blocked a, a game plan altogether. What I mean was when he came on, I just happened to notice him. And I noticed his line speed in the center. And off the back of that, I found that they seemed a little more condensed and a little more rushing through the center. So that strikes or that 
that tells me that that was um, a Dragons defensive change on the run because that was not how they looked defensively when we started doing it, but they made an adaptation. That's what happens. If teams are good enough to be able to make defensive adaptations to whatever um, offensive structures you bring or whatever stat, uh, uh, tactics you bring, and they're good enough to pull it off and make their switch in the middle of the game, um, then great. What we should have been smart enough to do is then if they're condensing in the centre, we should have pushed laterally. And to be perfectly honest, as I'm saying it now, we, that's probably what we did do. We started going a little bit more side to side at that point, but it was too side to side. And I think to circle back to what we were saying earlier, once they condensed their middle to block that up the, up the ruck stuff and the quick ruck work that we did in the first 20, once, once they condensed that and we tried to spin it or not just in a play, but we tried to play then expansive footy to get around that condensed middle third, then we didn't have, the spark to be able to do it because we didn't have our lorries and we didn't have, um, you know, this, that same cohesive back line that would have been able to do it. We just didn't pull that switch off well. So um, that was the way that I kind of read the way that that flowed. But that's just one part of the game. You know, we still had chances beyond that. We still forced opportunities. We still had plenty of time, space and ball to win that game. But in terms of just a game plan, observation um that's what i'm saying yeah fair um who impressed you the most um alex twole had a fantastic game again 186 running meters yeah he's a beast and like we said the other week he's found his spot if you can run 186 meters and 160 odd the other week from the bench stay there yeah, because whatever has whatever has been fed into these piggies in the middle, and their bloody wheat big serves in the morning is in the last few weeks. Um, it's probably just cocaine or something, but they they've they've been playing um, playing out of their skin. Sorry, it's a PG show. Apologies there, just a little in joke. But um, yeah, they've been playing out of their skin. But he was he was awesome. Nofaluma played really really hard and he has been for a few games now which is good to see um i think hastings has probably had probably had one of his quietest games for the year this is not a, a positive yeah. but he wasn't he wasn't bad he just didn't he didn't provide i guess in such a short period of time we've seen him provide the class that has allowed us to um to get a couple of victories so when he couldn't quite provide that this game it was sort of a bit of a huh. okay well maybe he's not the messiah after all but so he, he was fine uh, i'm just looking across the field now um yeah to yeah to be honest i think that the forwards did a great job led by a twole musgrove was handy um oh i forgot to mention one obviously i mentioned it earlier but i forgot to mention him now kapoa had an absolute blinder of a game back i thought he was Great. Yeah, no, I think so too. I still, I still think he is a center. I don't think he is a um, a winger. I think his best position is center. We've seen that a few times, but I couldn't fault him. He had those dirty runs that you need. He was safe under the high ball. I think he might have had one um, fumble, but it went backwards anyway. Um, if I remember correctly. I don't think he even dropped the ball. 
Might be wrong, but he looked pretty safe under the high ball. He chased for every bomb. They put a lot of pressure on. But I don't know that he he could have still pushed a little bit harder, and hopefully that's just something that just comes with a bit more confidence. Like he did chase. Yeah, first but, game back off an ACL on a pec tear. Oh yeah, he looks big. Nice. He looks big. He looks fast. Um, and the way he moves, he moves like a center. No, exactly, and he's powerful like a center. You look at his base; he's powerful. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's all he's all hips and legs. Yeah. Just um, um, I just just one more thing I just read then in terms of signings. Apparently, we were looking at Jermaine Hopgood from Penrith as well. That was the other one I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah, that's the name I've heard a bit about. There seems to be a fair few raps on, on the forums and whatnot about him. I honestly don't know enough about him. He's on. Uh, he's occasionally mentioned in Dane Lurie's Instagram, so oh, I'm sure those two are. Relationship goes there. Well, tight buds. So he's a lock. So he's not going to get uh, any time away from Yo. So no. Well, and that's that's the thing too. Uh, you know, I think props are very specialist, but people can shift between lock and second row. We saw Cameron Murray do it um, reasonably well in the last couple of years as well. So, yeah, even you know, you look across their back row stocks with Liam Martin and um, you know, well they got Villiami there now, but he'll be won't be there next year. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I haven't seen enough of him. I've heard his name a bit. And yeah, I haven't seen it. To be a few. I, I'll be brutally honest. I haven't seen anything of him, but. Um, the fact See, they, these types, these types of names, Jackson Topany, not to be confused with um, Tarpany, Joseph from Canberra, Jackson from the Bulldogs, no relation, spelt different. Um, Matt Dory, you know, another name that's come up from also from the Bulldogs, both second rowers, and then Jermaine Hopgood. They're not names that excite me. Um, which, when you're hoping for signing news or or signing rumours, personally, I like to hear names that. At least I know a little bit about their game. Mm. But I guess it's not the be all and end all. And I think, to be perfectly honest, that's why those blokes are in those recruitment positions because they're looking at more than just the name on the sheet of paper. They're looking at potential and um, they're looking at metrics and they're looking at um, all sorts of stuff. So I've got no doubt that they're looking for the right players and they're clearly not in a hurry, which from my standing is a positive thing. So I'm happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. So if we think about uh, a potential lineup for next year, I don't, I don't know why I'm going on this, but because I keep talking about signings, um, I'm getting excited. I think that we're starting to build something again and it's not going to happen this year, but I am very confident for what's going to happen next year. So, but then again, I'm confident every year and I get let down every year. What I'm, what I'm happy about is that the team this year, which will have an unequivocally, well, it does, does have a weaker roster than what we will likely have next year, um, is playing pretty good footy without a lot of key players. Yeah. And so that shows me that the club is building their foundation and there's coaching structures. I think no, um, you know, in no little part to the assistants that have come in as well. And obviously some of the signings have had a lot of success, um, you know, no, we have, sorry, we have not had a lot of success on the, on the, the wind sheet, but we can see, I think there's a lot of progress. 
this this team is not playing. They don't look like last year's team, whereas last year's team looked like 2020's team. And there was very little change, very little improvement across the board, whereas this team does look different. It might not be having raging success, but I think we're seeing a fair bit. And then you add on top of uh, that some of the confirmed signings and then some of the potential signings. It is, it is looking um, at least positive, but we're still, you know, we're only in just into May of this year, so... No, exactly. So, because the one thing, and you and I have talked about this a little bit, is, you know, we were talking about um, possibly just re-signing Tomo for one more year to buddy um, Steph in the the prop forwards. But then you want to bring somebody in. I'm not sure if the guys that we've signed this year and Fano and all that can step up to that, but you want to bring someone in to be that heart that forward pairing that Steph needs. He can't be an Aaron Woods and take everyone on the line. And then one person that keeps standing out for me is um, Sipley from Manly. He's been really good for Manly and he's off contract uh, for 2023. At the end of 2023. No, so he's off contract. So he can be signed for next year. Okay. So... Toa Fawa Sipley, whatever his name is. Uh, yeah, Toa Fawa. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Sipley. I just think he's been running with, he's been running off the back fence every time I've seen him. And because right now I'm just thinking off to, I like just thinking of the future, always thinking about what we can do or how we can better improve and what we need to improve from what I've been seeing over the last six or seven weeks from my absolute experience of everything NRL. Um, but yeah, I just think that again, we just can't do what we've done in the past and try to rely on one player. We need to have uh, a structure in place. So that's just me just going on another tangent. Probably should get back. That's to- a, that's, that's a fair, um, well, look, it's a fair name. It's a fair suggestion. It, it's always good to, to hear names or possibilities spoken about, which would make logical sense in terms of signings. Um, and yeah, I can't fault you on that. I actually think prop is, is a space that we're not too bad in. If we re-sign Tamo for another year, I've got a record on saying, I think, you know, provided that his form continues, if not least of all, to be a leader between, excuse me, between um, Tamo, Steph, Musgrove and Twole. That's a pretty pretty decent little prop rotation there. I, th- yeah. I do think we need to add some in there. I'm not sure how ready some of the next up and comers will be. You know, we've mentioned several times that McKaylee seems to be off to the Dolphins or at the very least not being re-signed. Um, so I, we're still short a prop or two there. So, yeah, maybe maybe your guy, Sipley, might be the guy. Mm. You're but right. I think in terms... Beg your oh, pardon. There you go. You go. I was going to say, but in terms of um, props, I think it, it's fairly early days, but if Zane Musgrove can keep doing what he's been doing and continuing to just get rid of the couple little minor lapses that he has, then he's going to prove to be a very valuable um, valuable player. So I think, yeah, prop, props okay, uh, but it does depend upon what they decide to do with Tamo too. Yeah, exactly. I think another one that I've just saw that is – like if we feel the need to um, 
to sign him for another year and allow the depth that we have to stay and look to, you know, 2024. Imagine a prop pairing of Steph and Solomona, Nelson Asa Solomona. <laughs> a prop pairing of that. Yeah, it would be pretty, pretty beastly. Jesus, that'd be like that'd be so dominating. Mm. But yeah, that's well, while while we're in pipe pipe dream territory, uh, I mentioned uh, Topine or Topany from the Bulldogs. Yep. But also some whispers about um, Canberra doing a clean out at the end, end of the year, and somebody who has been at loggerheads with Ricky for quite a while is Joseph Tarpany, who plays prop. Yeah. Um, who can play 13 too. Um, I forgot to mention too, you know, as, as well as Joffa's playing in lock, if we have a, a more dynamic lock option become available, Joffa's always a great backup in the center. He can do a, he can fill a role there too. So exactly. he's another one to add to that list. Um, but Joseph Tarpany from the Canberra Raiders, if he ever became available or was an option for any reason, we'd be silly not to have a look. He's played for New South Wales. He's played under Madge. He's, um, it's been confirmed that he's stated that he does love Madge and he'd, he'd love to have a chance to play for him, but it hasn't been in any context of um, signing to play for the Tigers or anything recently like that. But if that was, you know, if we we're in pipe dream territory, then yeah, that would be one I'd throw in there too. He's got the right mix of aggressiveness and a bit of X factor in that prop um, position to be able to really sort of dial us up a gear or two in that, that forward rotation. No, I agree. Um, Very good. Yeah, so we've, we've had a, a bit of a dive into the Dragons game. We've looked at retention. We've looked at the future. Probably should have a bit of a chat about the game on Saturday at 3 p.m. Yeah, weird time, Saturday 3. Yeah, it's, it's not a typical Tigers time. We're used to our Sunday afternoon footy. Yeah, no, I'm normally just um, about to head down to the local for a couple of quick ones before I pop back for dinner, but um, that'll have to go on hiatus because I don't like, I'm not a big fan of watching Tigers games at the pub because if it goes awry, then uh, I either get shouty or I get sad. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm much better in my home environment for either of those two options. Yeah. Fair. Um, so there is. Well, I'm not, I was going to say there's talk. Turbo's been picked. Olakawatu's been uh, been selected because he's coming back from suspension. Yep. I'm not sure about Turbo. I'm I'm not 100% sure if he will play. Um, that's not really going off anything too profound or, um, or um, any secrets from my end, but I just get the sense with something like this that they may not bring him back just yet. Um, the first week that he is eligible to come back, they've picked him. He might be a late scratching. And the way that Cherry Evans spoke in the um, press conference today, he used language like, yeah, we hope he's going to be right, those sorts of words. So um, as far as I'm aware from that, just trying to read between the lines and obviously tremendously hopeful that um, – they decide to hold him off and he's too valuable and we'll give him another week to make yeah. sure he gets his body right. Um, because, yeah, it'd be the most Tigers play ever to be able to play manly on the week that Tom Trebojevic comes back in. 
Yeah, no, it would. And I think he did the same thing last year and he ran right over us. Yeah, yeah he, he did. He came back from injury. He ran yeah. right over us. When, when he yeah. played, played us, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him considering it was, was it a hamstring again that he did? Yeah, he's had chronic hamstring injuries. Yeah, so it wouldn't surprise me if they did do that considering, you know, they probably, a lot of teams would probably consider us a walkover. Um, probably one of the easier games, which, you know, it's hard not to, you know, hold it against them for that thought. Considering the following week, they have the Broncos at Magic in Magic Round. And then I think the week after that, they've got the Eels at Combank. So would you risk Tommy, uh, Tommy Turbo against the Tigers when you have two rather big games coming up? If he's not 100%, probably not. No, that's what I'm hoping. So, but, you know, where's, you know, they're also going to be missing Jason Saab, who, you know, doesn't add much in terms of um, attacking flair, but shit, he can finish. Um, Who, who's that? Jason Saab. He's out. Yeah. Oh, he's out, is he? Yeah, he's out. Um, your best mate, uh, that. your best mate, Brad Parker, is out. Who you think is the greatest centre that's ever walked? Um, You're dripping with sarcasm, Toby. Dripping with sarcasm. But if he did play, and you made that comment about me not being overly wrapped on Parker, he, he'd run for four tries and yeah. probably set up another seven. So I think the the thing that we have is a thing that we have uh, for us in terms of if Chavoyevich is a late scratching and they'll most likely move, you know, Garrick to fullback, uh, Cooler to the wing, and then Harper will jump into the centers is that's a pretty lackluster back five. They don't add a lot there. I mean, Cooler, I think could be a player of the future. He does look pretty strong, uh, but he's young. He's strong. He's also lightning fast. Yeah. He is green. Uh, and Ruben Garrick is one that surprises me. I reckon he's a uh, a little bit of a well. I used to think he was a very generic esque sort of player, but um, every time that he's slotted into fullback, he's a lot more evasive and elusive than I give him credit for. He breaks a lot more tackles than I would have thought, and uh, he does a relatively decent job in general. Um, so, yeah, I, I hate underestimating op- opposition teams, especially when it comes to back fives, because every time I do it. They always score me. Yeah. Well, you've also got, you know, the youngest Ravojevic at centre, but apparently he's a back rower regardless. He's just, he can fit in at centre and, you know. He'll be marking gets, another back rower in Ghana, so. Yeah. But in, in saying that, again, the three brothers are starting. Do you remember when South did that with the four brothers against us and that was, got all the headlines? <sighs> so that was always fun. Yeah, and Schuster's another one's come back. He um he looked class on the weekend. He did he very much did? Uh, Kepi, yeah, I got. I'm not that worried about Kepi. I think he's he makes a few stupid mistakes um, that I've seen when he's played. He, you know, they'll get a roll on. He'll take a hit up and knock the ball on at least once a game. So I'm not worried about him. The one that is I, I keep seeing every time he comes on the field, he adds something, is Dylan Walker. Uh, he adds that that 
new position that seems to have come into effect over the last two years of a dynamic 14 that can come on and play wherever they're needed. Um, it's I'm going to say it probably started with Pappy back at Melbourne, came on and really electrified the end because the 14 was generally another dummy half or another, you know, a prop rotation. But this one's kind of like either another playmaker or another fullback, just really scheming. Even just, yeah, even just like a roving role, just an injection of yeah um, energy. Um, yeah, that's got, fair. That's a fair we've call. got that too, you know. We've got that too with uh, Tyrone Peachy back. Uh, I don't know what to make of that. And what's interesting with Peachy is that um, in the few games he's played this year, he's looked lackluster to be generous at the very least. Um, why he hasn't been entertained as a centre option? He's played plenty of centre over yeah, the years. I don't know. And he has enough um, sort of 10, 20 metre speed to certainly, certainly nippier slightly nippier than than what luke garner is and he's done a decent job so i don't know why they haven't entertained putting him in the centers especially, especially the way that gildart has been yeah. going because oliver gildart has been just a big old pile of dog droppings fair, fair dinkum you know that bloke ball in hand is fine and out of dummy half um he's quite a threat to be honest he's had a couple of really good darts he makes, you know, how, how many years now in a row have been talking about our centres making poor choices, bad reads, or just bad, bad tackles? Uh, and yeah, it's 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 really frustrating because all we need basically at the moment are serviceable centres, and we'd be two games up. Yep. yep. So what? I don't know if it was the Warriors game. Um, I think it, I think it was the Warriors game was that he led to two tries directly in a game we should have been all over. Yep. And on the weekend, I, you know, as much as it wasn't entirely his fault, some of his decision making was just god awful. The stuff he did, you know, the attempted tackle at, at Ben Hunt was, yeah. Anyway. Oh, for somebody so, like he had a perfect opportunity just to put the shoulder in and really just finish it off. And he just didn't like, I mean, I think oh, a couple of minutes before, I think Brooks came in and did the exact thing you should do when you come in and you take a shot like that. No, it was, it was sorry. It was Kapoa. Kapoa came in off the wing and just hit him perfectly. I don't know who it was. It could have been um, Amon. I can't exact. I think it was Amon actually. And Kapoa just came perfectly in, shut that play down. If you're going to do that rushing play, you'd know because you played centers, everything like that. You need to make sure you stick. And you have a have a look at it. He doesn't even put his shoulder behind it. He, he gets to him. Ben Ben Hunt barely steps off, and all he does is brush him away with one hand. Like it's it's awful. And what was worse, he was two meters offside, and the side camera angle shows it. Um, you know, it was it was really bad, and. To, to be perfectly honest, I don't think he plays this week, if not for Nofaluma getting that stinking concussion protocol mandatory sit-out. Yeah. Because what, what I'm thinking happens is Kapoa comes into the centres, which he has to, and then Nofaluma and Mamalo are back on the wings, which to me at the moment is our best. Yeah. <laughs> it's our best, it's our best, our best side. Yeah. Um, so I forgot to mention earlier, we were talking about centres. I forgot to mention Talao. 
who's out with a knee as well. We're talking about out yeah, centre yeah, depth. Yeah. Tommy Talao, who played the last two years, basically is probably a first choice centre. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. anyway. So yeah, look, um, that game against Manly, again, it's another winnable game. Where's Four Pines Park? Um, I don't know. Have a look. Interesting. They, they, they haven't renamed um, Brookvale, no, not as far as I'm aware. Although they, that's they a have. they have. Okay, so it's a it's a stadium sponsor then. However, yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's been going on with home grand games and stuff this year. It seems like we've just you know, the, the one game we played at home um recently was against Parramatta, uh sorry, against Rabbitohs, and it was at Bank West Stadium. Oh, Parramatta's home ground. Yeah, and then we play a win and then we play a Brookvale. We're just on a bit of a yeah. a rough trot in terms of having some decent home games. But um it's a winnable game. Probably not as much as the Dragons, but probably equally as much as the Rabbits and probably not as much as the Eels. So, you know, based upon the last month of football, um, if we can produce similar stuff, hopefully we'll give ourselves a chance to win. What worries me is, of all people, Daly Cherry, Cherry Evans and his four-foot neck have been playing fantastic football. Um, yeah. Really, really high percentage plays. Um, and he's just playing some vintage stuff for a bloke that's, um, you know, getting on into his 30s. So um, he's going to be an issue. Uh, they, they've been talking about foreign as a good foil for him. Foreign's been playing okay, but for me, it's what Cherry Evans has been doing. Um, his pass selection, his short kicking game in and around uh, the opposition try line, and he's been picking off a bunch of 40-20s too. He's been playing great footy and he's a threat. I, I think in terms of the forwards, we can match it with them. No, I agree. Um, I they've so. got a lot of skill between Schuster Travoyevich and um, Alokawatu. So we're a, a lot more workmanlike, but um, yeah, it'll come down to can we take our chances? <sighs> to be, you know, to be honest, I, I won't be surprised. I'm not really expecting a win if, if I'm being perfectly honest, but um, I'll be disappointed if we're not competitive, put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, see, I agree. I, I'm, I'm going with the same sort of mentality that we've had since our game against the Eels, um, as long as we just are competitive, we don't. And that's the one thing you can take away from the Dragons. We didn't give up. We kept trying. The choices might not have been the right ones, but I'm hoping that we learn from that. And we learn that if something's working, just don't go away from a game plan that works. Um but I just want us to be competitive. I want us. I want to continue to be proud of you know my team. Um, but yeah, apart from that, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Simkin back. Yeah, or to seeing Me him too. Uh, assist with. If we can go back to the same game plan we had uh, with Simkin offering that service out of dummy half to get them over the advantage line, I think we can easily match it with those forwards. Uh, the thing that worries me is Safarth uh, in the back row. He, so there was a, a player that played for us quite a few years ago that you nicknamed not him because every time he got the ball, you'd shout in the air, oh, not him. And that was, um, I can't remember his name actually. I love it. 
Yeah, that's it. Cole, love it. He's starting to fall in that realm for me. Um, a bit of a nothing player, not adding as much as you'd hoped. So, you know, obviously, Luch has been probably having his best year to date in the NRL so far in a losing side as well. Uh, so that's a huge loss for him to be dro- uh, to him to you know become victim to another injury. But I just think that I, I honestly don't think he's a back rower either. I think he's a forward, and I think he should stay as a forward. A prop, you mean? Huh? Yeah, you mean a prop? Yeah, a prop. Sorry. Like if yeah, I, I th- in a perfect world, I'd put him. Um, I'd I'd probably put him in the reserves, Peachy into back row if need be. And put little in, and then have the little Simkin rotation. But yeah, I, I don't play Peachy. Well, That's I don't. My I, bottom line. I can't see who else we'd play, to be honest. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. On just on Seafarth quickly, and then we'll probably wrap it up. This this one's gone reasonably long, but um, just off the back of what you said, I think that he. Seafarth is a player that I think offensively he's going to be back with this year. I don't think he's getting the run made that he was getting, um, which is which is disappointing. So his offensive output is is pretty down. Uh, but I think defensively where he is good, and you've actually got to watch him quite closely, uh, he makes a lot of tackles and he makes a lot of off-the-ball effort plays. And you do need that. He, he doesn't, like, Luch is all flash, so he'll beat, one or two plays every time he'll pop an offload. He'll create half chances quite often. Seafarth will never do that. And that's disappointing because you do want that in your edges these days. They need to be dynamic, but in terms of doing a role um, and, you know, filling a lot of little gaps that you don't actually see, he does a really good job at it. Um, And so I'm not worried so far touch wood about Seafarth defensively on the weekend. I just hope that he can actually get a bit of output and help the other forwards out. Um, and I hope that doesn't become a weak link. But this year, to be perfectly honest, we've had some games where either Tuolagi or Luch have been down on their run meters. So I don't think we've had, whilst they've both been good, I don't think we've had a year where our second rowers have had tremendous offensive output every game. So hopefully we don't miss a, a massive beat there. Um, and I'm hoping he just continues to... Um, yeah, just do his role for the team as a junior at the moment. He's a gap filler and um, hopefully he can do that reasonably well and, and just help to keep an edge uh, reasonably tight. That's all I can hope from him at the moment and fingers crossed that goes okay and fingers crossed that Lucha's hamstring is um, is minimal, but I get worried hamstrings are very rarely a single week. So yeah. we could be looking at two to four to him. I haven't heard an update yet, so I'm sure we'll find something out about that. Um, just before we wrap up, Toby, very quickly, we might rip off uh, one or two of the other media outlets and go for a bold prediction for the game on the weekend. What's your bold prediction? Does it have to be a win? No, it can be whatever you want. I'll go first. I, no, uh, I'm going to go I, for the big I, one first. I want to go for the big one first because I think it's okay. going to happen. I think Twally's going to cross for a try. Oh, mighty, mighty close on the weekend, I tell you. Just, uh, do you remember that Manly game he played where he made that amazing break, offloaded to Mbai and Mbai scored? I remember the break. I don't remember if it was against Manly, but yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say he's And they couldn't finish. catch him. He ran like 60 metres. Yeah, I say he's going to finish that. Right. I Mine is after we've just uh, ripped into shreds that Gildart will score a try and set up another with a flick pass. 
yeah, that's you know that's not a, that's not unheard of. Like you said, he hasn't been he's been okay in attack. I just like yeah. to see him make smart decisions in defence. If he does that, I'll be so happy. Yeah. Yeah, so I think we'll be sitting here next week talking about the fact that he's been picked again somehow because he pulled a couple of rabbits out of a hat um, offensively. So Another thing just before we go, and this is just a little bit off topic, I just want to say how good it is to see Tamari Martin back playing because he is a Tigers junior. Came yeah. through their ranks, then went to Penrith, then went to Cowboys and obviously had to retire because of a brain bleed, but now he's back playing. Mm. Oh, I'm so good to see him playing. It's so good to see yeah. him. So. It's such a feel-good story. Um, he was always such a talented young player, and yeah. I remember I remember watching him go from our twenties into our um, at the time New South Wales Cup team, and he just couldn't find a spot through our squad because I think that was at the time that we had um, we had Benji in the club, but we had Moses um, and Brooks were both there as well. There was just no path through, so he had to end up I going think, elsewhere. And I think he was around the same time as Blake Austin as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. So it was around that around that that sort of two three year period. So yeah, no, nah, it, it's great to hear, and those sort of redemption stories are awesome. And through no no fault of his own, staring down the barrel of early retirement to be able to come back and do that. And he's been playing some pretty good footy. Yeah, he, um, the he, last couple of weeks he had a fullback, so he's in my super coach side because he's good value. Yeah, bloody hell. All right, mate. Well, we'll be tuning in at uh, three o'clock on Saturday, and and hopeful for another good performance from the Tigers. Hopefully, we can take a couple of chances this week and. Um, march our way to hopefully snagging another victory against uh, the stinking Silvertails. Yeah, bloody, yeah. Merely probably the most hated Sydney team there is. Yeah, well, there's a few that agree with you there, that's for sure, mate. Yeah. Three o'clock on Saturday, if you are anywhere near the northern beaches or the central coast, make your way there or make your way down, get to the stadium. Uh, Four Pines, Four Pines Stadium it is now. Yeah, not no longer Four Pines Park in Sydney, no longer Brookvale, but you know where it is. Get down there, give Manly heaps, and uh, let's hopefully get the boys over for a victory. Toby, lovely talking to you, mate. Yeah. I'll talk to you probably before next week, but in the meantime, yep. go the Tigers. Go the Tigers.